first question in the luxury category is, what would I suggest as your very first luxury purchase? I have such an opinion about this, let me tell you. Next question is a bit of a juicy one. What do I think about fake designer bags? Can you explain the Chanel seasonal numbers? How does it work? What do they mean? Yes, I got you. Okay, y'all. Okay, y'all, welcome back to the Luxury Investment Podcast. I am your host, Carter. Thank you so much for clicking on this podcast episode. If you are new around here and you're listening on the audio, I do upload the video versions of all these podcasts to my YouTube channel, which of course is at Currently Carter. So definitely go check out that if you are video inclined. And today's episode is an Ask Me Anything. I reached out on my Instagram, which is again at Currently Carter if you don't follow me there. Instagram is really where I started my blog journey. And so we have a lot of fun over there. Definitely come over and say hi sometime. But I did a story poll and said, ask me anything. Let's do a podcast episode where you ask me all of your burning questions. I did personal and luxury. I went through all of the questions and categorized them out into a personal section and a luxury section. So let's jump straight into it. You guys had some really fun questions. I'm actually so excited to get into it. And I have a lot of really good things to say in these subjects. I picked out ones that I thought would be really, really good good to listen to and that I had like an interesting take on. So let's get into it. Starting off in the personal category, the number one most asked question by a long shot is what do I do for work? Girl, let me tell you. Okay, listen. (laughs) I always joke I didn't pick business. Business picked me. It's just who I am. It is the blood in my veins. I am an entrepreneur, true and true. So I run two companies. One of those companies I recently transitioned out of to do so social media more full-time, which was a really interesting transition. I'll tell you what, a social media, the business side of it, and just the overall more involved approach to it is really intense, <laughs> way more intense than I think I would have ever expected. And that's coming from, you know, very much of business background, running startups, doing startups, doing traditional business. So yeah, that has been a very interesting transition. It was rough for like the solid four months <laughs> transitioning out of one of those companies. But the first company I started before I transitioned out was a marketing firm, actually. I went in and kind of took over the marketing and sales department for different small businesses that didn't necessarily want to hire that department in-house and came in as a third party, like sort of team. And we did all of their sales or marketing, whatever they needed done, we took over for them. So if that was growing on social media or that was, you know, getting more sales, coming up with different marketing campaign ideas in order to sell blank product that month or that quarter, whatever it was, that is what me and my team did. That was really, really fun. I had the opportunity to work with a lot of really large brands. I did slowly transition out of those contracts in order to do social social media. And like I said, that transition was crazy. It is a totally different world out here. It is very, very, very interesting when you have been running products for so long or running sales or running, you know, your traditional business, traditional marketing. And then all of a sudden you become the product or you become, you know, the face of something. The association and strategies that come along with that, you being the brand versus you having a product or a goal that you can kind of come up with new ideas around totally different worlds, totally different worlds, totally different thing. I don't know if I love it. And no, I do. It's definitely a challenge, but I will say it is way different than any other company or business I have ever run or helped run or strategized for in my life. Really interesting. (laughs) 
And next, I run a business incubator. I still run a business incubator. It is one of my favorite things to do. If you don't know, a business incubator is just basically a startup business where I come up with a concept, grow that concept to a certain point, and then sell off the startup or idea. And sometimes that means I'm even starting a business just to raise funds for another business. So I might pick a concept that doesn't necessarily have a good exit strategy or longevity in its business plan, but I will do that for a short period of time in order to raise funds to put into the next business. I typically hire teams out as third parties in order to make that business or concept happen, and it's really quite a lot of fun. I don't have any current projects going because all of my eggs are in this basket of starting a YouTube channel and a podcast and all the other things that I have going on in the background and, you know, building out my team in this and seeing how and what I want to do with social media. So that's been really, really fun, but I do have some past examples of startups and companies that I have started and created over on my highlights on my Instagram. And I think I even put up on the highlights some different first concepts and content that I made around those concepts. So that's always really fun to go back and look at. But that in a nutshell is what I do. Next question. I thought this was such a fun one. It is, what is my Starbucks drink order? Love it. I have a few favorite drinks at Starbucks. Number one, without a doubt, is a salted caramel cold foam cold brew. If you have not tried it, you are missing out. It is like the best iced coffee ever. Next up would probably be a Misto with Brave. Love that. That's basically just a coffee with a sort of foam in as, it, as it's milk. So it has like really nice texture. It's like a light version of coffee with milk. And lastly, London Fog, which is Earl Grey tea and steamed milk. Really, really, really great. Those are my top three Starbucks orders. <laughs> Next question in the personal category is, what did I do for school? Did I go to college? What did I major in, et cetera? So yes, I did go to college. I did do it quite differently, though, than the traditional four years. I went in and basically talked my way into all the upper-level classes of every degree that I thought was interesting. <laughs> so instead of going into college and doing my gen eds, one, because college is expensive, and I just knew I wanted to be an entrepreneur. I knew I wanted to start in business and start my own companies and do my own thing. And since I knew that that didn't necessarily need me to have a degree, I wanted to get the most out of college that I could based on learning aspects and not necessarily based on a degree aspect. So I went to all the professors of, I think it was international business, business, of course, uh, marketing, finance, and management. <laughs> and I took all the upper level classes of all five of those degrees. And then I left, which is <laughs> quite funny because <laughs> it's just so different. Everybody was jealous of me though, because like none of the tests mattered to me. I was just the girl that sat in the very front of the class and like ate it all up because I was in that class because I wanted to be there and not because it was required for my degree. Also, if you want to be in business, I got to say, it's really interesting how little you actually learn in college about business from an actual entrepreneur starting standpoint. You will definitely learn a lot about management or if you're in the finances, you'll learn a lot about finances, but you need a well-grasped version of all five of those things in order to actually run a company, right? You need to learn how to talk to your CFO or your CPA about the finances, learn how to talk the finance language, right? There's so many aspects to running a company that if you don't understand each one of those, you're not going to run your company 
company very well, right? Like if you don't understand the management processes or international businesses or the marketing strategies and how to talk marketing with, you know, another corporation that uses very typical marketing strategies and language, you're really not going to be successful. So that is why I did what I did. And I do not regret it for a second. I absolutely loved my college experience. I loved doing that, especially taking like strat, right? I was like a freshman basically and taking strat. Um, which you definitely are not allowed to take as a freshman, but I went to all of my professors during their office hours and just talked my way into the class. <laughs> and and I did that over and over, and I loved it. I loved it. I would highly recommend doing college like that if you don't need an actual degree and you're looking to just get a college experience and get the education level of what you need to do and then take that education to do something with it. Um, you know, obviously, like, you need a degree to be a nurse or a doctor, but you don't necessarily need a degree to start a business or be an entrepreneur. So yeah, loved that. <laughs> Next question, when will we get a closet tour? I know I've been promising a closet tour for literally ever. It is coming. It is coming. I'm doing like a full kind of revamp on the closet and I am organizing everything because right now it's a bit of a mess. So we're organizing and then I will do it. I promise it soon. It is literally the next thing, like the next big thing on my list. So it's coming. I swear. Definitely stay tuned and subscribe to my YouTube channel to see it because that's where it's going to go out first. It's going to be a big event, exciting times. I think I might even do like a satisfying clean video like in that video. Like I'll clean this room and it'll be really satisfying. <laughs> so definitely stay tuned for that video. If you're listening to this podcast a few weeks after it came out, it's probably already up. So go check it out. Next question. What is the background on your phone? Love that question. I think that's another really cool question. Like I would love to know that about like, you know, just a random person that I enjoyed listening to. What's the background on your phone? What is it? So the background on my phone, I can't actually show you on YouTube if you're listening there because um, my phone is actually recording, but I will pop up a picture on YouTube if you're curious. It is this house in England that I absolutely fell in love with. It's so weird. This has never happened to me before, but I was just, I think, scrolling on Instagram and this house popped up and I almost cried over it. It was as if I built this house. It was just everything I love in architecture, everything I love in design, all in one. And I was just like, that's my house. I just instantly like almost said it out loud. Like, that's my house. That, oh my God, my house exists and it's this one. <laughs> I took a screenshot and put it as the background on my phone because way more obviously than it was ever about the house. It's not about the house at all. It just reminds me so much of what I love about business and providing jobs for people, providing a place for people to be able to grow in. Everything I love about business somehow was just wrapped up in my head kind of through this house and the fact that I want to build a house like that someday and build my companies into an environment where people can thrive. Good business changes the world. It changes opportunities for people, which changes communities, which changes environments, which changes the world, right? And everything about that is kind of what is wrapped up in my background screenshot of this house that I just really liked. I literally cry at investment books. I am a business geek. It is literally just in my bones. It is the, the way my brain works. So that is my background on my phone. <laughs> Next question. The house is on fire. You can only bring five luxury things. What are they? Love this question. Okay. 
First of all, I would bring all of the furniture that my dad helped build in my beauty room. The shelves, the shelves behind me. I had this idea to make these shelves and my dad is a contractor. He owns a remodeling business and as well as other businesses, but one of them is a remodeling company. So he has the ability to help me build this kind of stuff and bring what is in my head alive. And uh, I had a couple other pieces bespoke made by us and put granite on top of them. So they're like my pride and joys. I absolutely love them. Second would definitely be the Chanel scarf that my mom bought when she was my age and she handed down to me. Love that. Third, the Louis Vuitton vintage trunk that I have. Iconic. Have to bring that. It survived 100 years. It needs to survive the fire. Let's see here. Third, the Camellia Collection. The Camellia Collection. If you know, you know. <laughs> I started a series on my stories called the Unboxing Series, and I unbox something new every single day, just like what I'm buying. And I started a collection when I very first started um, collecting Chanel of the Camellias. And now I put a Camellia even on my stories. Like every time I buy something Chanel, I put it on this little mannequin. And now it's like full of Camellias. And it took some blood, sweat, and tears to get those Camellias. I would definitely save those. And oh my gosh, last thing would be ah my birth year Chanel my birth year Chanel bag if you don't know it's a kind of a collector thing when you start getting into collecting Chanel bags that you get a vintage Chanel from your birth year mine is this one right here I'll show you on YouTube if you're watching there isn't it so pretty 1991. We love her. She is my birth year Chanel and took quite a bit of time and effort to find a 1991. So that is the last thing that I would save in a fire. Next, what is your favorite luxury item? Great question. I think maybe it used to be the Chanel double flap in size jumbo. I know that's like crazy classic, but it is just so functional, so easy. You can fit your sunglasses and, you know, a daytimer in it, and it's not too small to function on that level. And it's so iconic from Chanel. Love it. And then I got a Birkin. And now it's the Birkin. <laughs> I was unprepared for how much I would love my Birkin 30. If you don't know, I did buy a Birkin 30 for my 30th. That was like my big 30 present to myself. Uh, love it. So functional. I don't know that I would even ever buy a 25. Like, I love the 30s. The 30s are small enough to be an everyday purse and look really cute. Definitely could still lock it and then bring it out at night. It's not too big, but is big enough to fit everything that you actually need in it. I used it all the way through Europe. It is hard for me to use any other bag, actually. I love it that much. I need another one. Oh, I got bitten by the bug. It's not good. It's not good. Do you smell that? It smells expensive. Oh, the stress. <laughs> Next question. What is the most underrated bag, in your opinion? Girl, I will tell you. I will tell you. It is this right here. It is called the Executive Tote from Chanel. It's also called the Surf Tote, like C-E-R-F, Certified Tote. It is this. She is so functional. She is so epic. I remember seeing this in boutique, and I didn't buy it then, and I never forgot it. And then I saw it pop up on the pre-left market, and I nabbed it so fast. I use this thing so much. So much that I also bought it in black. This is a white one. For everyone listening, I also bought her in black. She is the best thing I have ever bought. <laughs> fits a laptop, fits everything you need, has the turn lock, is gorgeous in every way, such a good everyday bag. Also has two little hooks to be a shoulder bag if you want her to be. Most underrated bag from Chanel. You can actually find really good deals on this bag, and I, I am lost for words. I do not understand why. It is such a good functional bag. 
and I don't know why it's not worth more on the secondary market. If I ever find this another color, I'm buying it. I will buy it in every color. I love it. Next question is, what is your favorite bag versus your most used bag? Love that. We already talked about the favorite bag. The Birkin is the favorite bag. I will say it is in the running for actually being my most used bag at this point. It's just such an easy bag to wear all the time. But... I'll say that my most used bag that I wasn't expecting to be one of my most used bags is the trendy in size small. Let me grab it for you. It is this one right here. I use this bag so much. It is in like the perfect denim blue color. It is so functional. It matches with so many different outfits. I wear it all of the time. It's the perfect little pop of color without being a color that distracts away from an outfit. And the Trendy is just gorgeous. Has a little Chanel faceplate on the top. I love her. I would buy 100 more Trendies. I love a Trendy. Trendy is the best. If you're looking for an alternative to a double flap, girl, it's the Trendy. Look no further. The Trendy. She's perfect. Next question. Would I buy a Chanel bag without its authenticity card? Yes. All day, every day, 100%. No question. Absolutely. <laughs> because I'll tell you why. One, Chanel has officially done away with its authenticity cards. Now it does the microchip. And I think that transition over in Chanel retail, main stores, boutiques right now means that we're going to see over time less and less of a need for people to have authenticity cards on the resale market. And we have the introduction of a lot of third-party companies in authentication, like for example, Entropy is a great one. Entropy uses a microscopic level phone lens that will take a picture of the leather on a microscopic level and is a great way to spot super fakes, things that you wouldn't necessarily be able to tell just from eye level about. And so that being said, because there's so many new technologies coming out like those that are able to differentiate super fakes, I would definitely buy a bag without authenticity card and I have and do all the time. Also, I think, especially when you start holding and owning a lot of Chanel bags, it is very, very obvious what is a fake Chanel bag and what is a real one. Of course, that just kind of comes with practice and holding and going into store all the time, holding bags in general. The more you hold one, right, the more it's much more obvious for you to spot something even very small that is different, right? So in my case, from an authenticity perspective, I really don't have any worries there. I've held enough Chanel bags to very much be able to recognize the difference. But in general, just for you or for anybody that is hunting on the pre-loved market and worried that a bag doesn't have one, don't worry about it. You can absolutely send it also off to places like Leather Surgeons and they will give you an authenticity certificate. And I very much trust them because they're opening bags all the time, right? So not only can they authenticate a bag from the outside, but they can authenticate it from the inside. Is the stitching correct? Is the inside padding correct, right? Things that maybe a fake manufacturer would not pay attention to because they're thinking that everybody's gonna be paying attention to the outside of a bag. And so maybe they're cutting corners on the inside and Leather Surgeons is able to spot those kinds of things. So if you are worried about it, I would say send it over over to them, get their certificate, and you are good to go. Next and last question in the personal category is, do you have a fear of wearing your designer bags, especially when you travel? Do you feel safe wearing them? 
Great question. Do I feel safe? Yes, absolutely. I do know a lot of people that do put their designer bags on their home insurance, and they also purchase them with a credit card. Many times people don't know this, but actually purchasing an expensive or luxury item on a credit card is a very good idea, especially when you're talking about the higher tier cards, because they offer a protection element on that item for being stolen or damaged or if anything were to happen to it. And those higher tier credit cards have excellent protection plans for those items, anything purchased with that card, right? But also they will put their purses or items on their home insurance. And that can also be a great way to feel more protected. For me personally, I do travel by myself quite a bit. I do bring my designer bags while I'm traveling by myself or I travel with my designer bags quite often. A few things that I do to feel more safe or secure is one, I try to understand first of all where I'm going. And a lot of times I'll actually look up the country that I'm going to and look up scams that happen in that country just so I can be a little bit more prepared street smarts wise and understand if a scam might be happening or be aware of different scams that people have. I don't look at those articles or people talking about them to scare myself though. I'm just looking at it from an education perspective, right? If there is a well-known scam that happens where, for example, a girl will come up and ask you what time it is and the person behind you will come you know, behind you and reach into your purse to grab your wallet, whatever, right? I just wanna be more educated on how scams happen. So I'm less likely for them to happen to me. But also I try to remind myself that people are looking to steal from people that look like they're not going to put up a fight, right? They look like they're going to be easy targets to steal from. So I try not to be an easy target. That's really kind of the mantra that I tell myself and walk around like, like I don't look like I'm going to quietly let you steal my purse, right? I don't walk around with that energy. Obviously this can kind of be taken with a grain of salt. People get, you know, stolen from all the time that don't have an attitude of, you know, being demure. But I'm just saying, I do think though, keeping that in mind, not being an easy target, making sure, you know, your strap is around your shoulder or it's under your coat, around your arm. It's not an easy target, right? When someone is looking to steal something from someone, they're looking for easy targets. They're looking for grab and goes or looking for someone that they can get away from or whatever it may be, right? So doing things just kind of subconsciously or consciously to make sure that you're not an easy target. And maybe it's the way you hold your bag, or maybe it's just being educated about how scams work. So doing those things can definitely help you feel more protected while you're traveling out and about. I've never had an issue, thank goodness. I will say I've definitely been targeted. You know, people are watching for people with brands and try to target you. I think in those situations though, they are watching for you to see if you know what they're doing. They're watching for you to be educated. They're watching for you to notice. So I think being educated and the confidence that comes with being educated about how things work or how scams work is going to be your best friend in those situations because it makes you no longer a target, right? If they get a sense that they're going to get caught by you or you understand what they're doing, then they will cut off communication with you and go you know, target someone else or something. So I think the confidence that comes with just being educated about how scams work really helps me, like I said. And that added peace of mind that buying things with a credit card and having the protection with it or putting it on your home insurance definitely helps. Next and last question in the personal category is what is my next designer bag purchase? So I would really like to get offered a Kelly or Birkin in Paris, don't we all, right? But I did buy my Birkin 30 pre-loved because my birthday was in the middle of the shutdown and there was obviously super low stock and I really wanted a color that I knew that I was gonna absolutely love. So I would love to start the journey of trying to get offered in Paris in the flag 
flagship or maybe just in Europe in general and get a Birkin or Kelly like that. I would love another Birkin 30 in a green color, like a deep green would just be so my thing, like a blue kind of green, you know, like the blue red, but like the green version of this blue and red would just be like, oof, my, my top pick. Even like a, I don't know, even a blue or something. I don't know. I'm into the blue purses, which is funny because I don't necessarily like really like blue, but I'm more of a pink girl. But in purse form, blue just is super easy to wear. So yeah, I think that will definitely be my next bigger purchase. Otherwise, I definitely want another Chanel Trendy. I love the Chanel Trendies. They're just so me. Such a great, easy, everyday kind of bag because of the top handle. But yet you can go a day to night situation. So I'm thinking those will be my next bag purchases. Uh, but let's all hold our fingers and hold our breath for maybe a Birkin or Kelly offer. That would be epic. Okay, and on that note, let's switch over categories to the luxury category that we were in personal, and this is more luxury-based questions, like luxury investment value questions and general questions about luxury pieces or items or whatever it may be. So I separated out the most interesting ones. Let's get into it. First question in the luxury category is, what would I suggest as your very first luxury purchase. I have such an opinion about this. Let me tell you. Listen here, okay? Your very first luxury purchase should be your holy grail item. Do not, under any circumstances, buy something that is cheaper or more accessible or whatever it may be. Find your holy grail bag on the pre-loved luxury market, find a good deal and buy it. Don't fall into the trap of buying several other bags that are more affordable or trendy at the time. No, I'm telling you, once you buy your holy grail bag, the bubble burst in your mind and you're just thinking, oh my God, why did I not just do this sooner? I've had all these other smaller purchases when I really should have just been saving up for that one bag. Yes, you should have. I promise it is so much more satisfying to buy your holy grail bag and see it sitting on your shelf and love it and let it bring you joy and see all your hard work and effort sitting on your shelf and being able to hold it and use it. Buy your holy grail bag first. It is so much more worth it. Next question is a bit of a juicy one. What do I think about fake designer bags? Let's get into it, guys. Okay, so here's the deal on fake designer bags. The whole entire point of buying a luxury item, for me at least, is because it holds its value, right? So if I buy a Chanel bag, I find a good deal on the pre-loved market, let's say $3,000, right? Let's say, let's call it a double flap. Let's say, well, more realistic numbers. I find a Chanel double flap on the pre-loved market for $5,000, right? $5,000, crazy, crazy good deal right now for like a medium or a small, okay? I automatically have capital gains in that bag. I can turn around and sell that bag for $6,000 all day long. Why? Because the retail value of that bag is $8,800 right now, right? And over time, over the next five years, Chanel is only going to go up in price. They're only going to increase the prices of those bags in the retail boutique. So the value of my item, I can wear and use and love, and it is holding its value and making me money in the form of capital gains, right? And if I ever wanted to sell it, I could get all of my original investment back out of that bag. When you're talking about other bags that are not designer bags, they do not hold their value like that, right? You might buy a, you know, mid-tier bag that you really like, but in five years, you're going to sell it at the garage sale for, you know, a third at best 
of its original value. And that is why I personally buy luxury items. When you're buying a fake, it's really obviously no longer about the investment value. And now you're really doing it for the status element. And I think if you're doing it for the status element to the point of buying a fake designer bag, I would really be questioning why. What is that fake designer bag getting you or giving you, right? Because in reality, I'm not sure it necessarily gives you as much, you know, sort of status as that you would imagine. Most of the time, anybody that is buying a lot of Chanel bags can very much tell fakes. So you're not necessarily getting a status or networking opportunity from that aspect. So now you're really not being able to put your hard work and effort into an item that you get to wear. You're kind of cheating the system right by buying a fake version of it. Obviously, there's also lots to be said about the fake designer bag industry, where they're coming from, who is working in those sweatshops in order to create those bags. It is definitely a very dark place and industry. So not supporting those industries is, you know, definitely ideal. I just think that there's other things that you could be putting your money into that are going to hold their value for you better, whether it be a maybe a less expensive brand that also holds its value just in general because it's a great brand a lot of people like. Or if that's not it, maybe you're just picking a different item from that same brand. So maybe you're buying a brooch or a twilly versus buying a bag, right? So instead of buying a designer bag. You go into that store, you get the whole experience, you get an essay and you buy a Twilly as your very first purchase. And that's something that you love and cherish. And again, that Twilly is now something that will hold its value and you can be proud of that you worked hard for this money and you went and bought this really fun thing that now you can style up, right? So I know it's a bit of a touchy subject. That's kind of all my thoughts on the fake industry. But like I said, from my perspective, it really doesn't make sense because the entire point that I would ever buy a luxury purchase is because I'm interested in, in putting my money in things that retain their value over time. And that is luxury items. And the luxury market as like the housing market does retain its value and go up in value over time. And that kind of leads us into our next question, which is what is a brand I would never invest in? Let me tell you, (laughs) any brand I am not going to get my cost per wear out of or I could sell for more in five years. Those are the rules. I didn't make them. Those are the rules. Those are the rules I live by. I die by. Those are the rules I follow. (laughs) If I cannot get my cost per wear out of it, meaning I can't wear that item so much that the cost per wear of whatever that is, is so low and so minimal. It just makes complete sense. Or in five years, I can't sell that item again for the exact same amount of money that I put into it, right? I'm over it. I've worn it. I loved it. And now my style has changed. I'm ready to let it go and put that money towards something else. If I can't resell it for the same amount of money I put into it or for a profit, I would never invest in it. Those are the rules. (laughs) Next question is, can you explain the Chanel seasonal numbers? How does it work? What do they mean? Yes, I got you. So here's the deal. Chanel and many other brands operate on seasonal pieces. There are typically six different seasons and they will come out with a brand new line of ready-to-wear and bags, etc., for each one of those seasons. And this coincides with the fashion shows. They will have a cruise fashion show or a spring fashion show. And at that fashion show, they will showcase the new items for the season. Now, in the earlier days, these fashion shows were actually meant to be bespoke items. So you would be invited to the Chanel fashion show because you were a great customer of Chanel. You would watch the fashion show. The fashion show would have a number. And then after the show, you would tell Chanel what item you would like 
to purchase, and then they would hand make that same dress or jacket or whatever it may be for you based on your measurements. And that is what the Cruise Collection Fashion Show or the Autumn Collection Fashion Show would be. Since then, the fashion shows have obviously turned into much more of a marketing stunt. You can purchase those runway show items, but they're more there for the marketing than they really are there for the VIP clients or the bespoke aspect of the brand. But nonetheless, we have still kept those seasonal names to reference pieces that are coming out for that season, right? Again, they used to be bespoke very specific pieces, and now they are seasonal pieces that are coming out for a specific season that are ready to wear or ready to buy pieces, just meaning that they are mass-produced and not necessarily bespoke, right? And those seasons are Cruise, which is C. They are Spring Act 1, which is usually P. Then there is Summer Act 2, which is for S. There is Autumn for A. And then there is Fall Winter Act 1, which is B, and Fall Winter Act 2, which is K. So you'll hear someone say it is a B-22, right? Which means it came out in the Fall Winter Act 1 in the year 2022, right? So you'll have the same thing. You'll have um, A-90, which means it came out in autumn, and it is from 1990. So that is how the letters and numbers work and what they mean. Next question is, can you explain the difference between Chanel bags? What should be my first purchase? what has the most resale value, et cetera. I actually answered this question in extreme depth in the very first podcast episode called What is a Good Luxury Asset? I talk about Chanel double flaps and Chanel seasonal pieces and what the difference is, what you should be investing in if you're interested in buying your very first luxury piece, you're interested in starting to invest in luxury items, what is a good investment, what is not, et cetera. So definitely check out that podcast if you're interested in that subject in general. But I will kind of go over the difference between Chanel bags because I do get this question quite often when people hear the term seasonal bags. So there is a classic collection of Chanel and then there is a seasonal collection in Chanel. Classic collection means that it, it is a bag design that comes out every single season, meaning all six seasons throughout the year, usually in different colors for each season. So there is, you know, a handful of bags that fits that category. The classic double flap, for example, the trendy, the reissue, of course, the newest bag to be added to the classic category is the Chanel 19 bag. The list goes on. Now, alongside that, there is Chanel seasonal bags, meaning maybe for spring act one, they came out with a bag design that was only specific for that season. And usually those are like flat bags or very interesting designs, or maybe have completely different hardware, or maybe have a top handle on a flat bag that usually doesn't have a top handle, things like that. And those are called seasonal bags. Usually they hold their value a little bit less than the classic collection. And that is just because the classic collection is more sought after and has been around longer. So usually there are more people buying those bags and therefore it keeps the market very competitive for those bags. The seasonal bags, there are less people buying them. So of course they're going to have less competition on the recent sell market, but they still hold their value very well for Chanel bags, for sure. You just might not be getting as much of an appreciation in value for those seasonal bags as you would a classic bag. Next question, where is the best place in the world to buy Chanel. Love this question. Again, I did actually already answer this question in a recent podcast episode called Where to Buy Luxury for Cheap. So definitely go check out that podcast if you're interested in hearing more in depth on this question. But in short, usually the best place to buy anything from any luxury brand is always going to be in that brand's home country. So in the case of Chanel, that is going to be France. And that is for a couple different reasons that again, I go into much more depth in in that podcast episode. But 
basically you're talking about tariffs and shipping costs. Tariffs means that many times other countries will have an import tax on goods coming into that country, and therefore that country will have to add on those tariffs or that income tax cost into the good that is being sold in that country. So for example, let's say the U.S. charged France import tax on a Chanel bag. Chanel bag would then have to incorporate that import tax into the Chanel bag cost in the U.S. So now automatically the Chanel bag cost is going to be more expensive in the U.S. than it would be in France because they introduced that import tax. Next, just shipping costs in general are much more expensive. Again, something that is typically added into the cost of whatever country it's going to. I know Australia has that issue. It's super expensive to ship to Australia, and therefore a lot of times luxury goods in Australia are much more expensive, as well as their tariffs are typically very high for imported goods into Australia. So Australia is not going to be the cheapest place to buy luxury goods from Europe. If it is manufactured in Europe, Europe is going to be the cheapest to buy it in for sure. Next question, what is the difference between the white Chanel shopping bag and the black Chanel shopping bag? Great question. There's lots of confusion on these bags. So there are a few places in the world where Chanel has its own special shopping bag. I'll put a picture on screen if you're watching on YouTube. The white Chanel shopping bag is exclusive to the flagship store in Paris, which is Rue Cambon, store 31. It is the original store that Gabrielle opened up in Paris. She used to live above it. Her apartment is above it. There is a rolling staircase that is very iconic and famous that she used to watch the customers shop at the bottom of the stairs and make notes on how to change the products to better serve her customers. If you buy anything from that store, you get the iconic white Chanel shopping bag that says Chanel Rue Cambon underneath the black letters in Chanel. The regular Chanel bag is all black with white Chanel letters, and that is the shopping bag that you're going to get from every other boutique in the world. I do know of one other exclusive shopping bag, and that is in the Tokyo Japan boutique. I'm not sure if there's any other ones, but it's quite a fun little thing that Chanel started doing. Not to be confused, though, with the Chanel cosmetic or beauty bags. Those are also white, but they are different kind of white. They are white with Chanel black letters. They do not say Chanel Rue Cambon and little letters underneath Chanel, and they usually have a black border around the bag. Those are the beauty bags and not the limited edition Chanel white bags. They are both white, <laughs> so it is a little confusing, but that is the difference between the shopping bags. And the very last question today is, what is your most recent bag purchase? Love this question because I did just buy another Chanel bag and it is so pretty. I have not revealed it yet. You guys are getting a special treat if you are watching this podcast on YouTube. And if you are listening, I will describe her for you. <laughs> it is the vintage Chanel double flap half moon style. Look at her. Oh my God. I am so obsessed. I did not have a Chanel medium double flap in my collection. I did buy one and I also bought this. I bought the Chanel medium double flap, regular classic double flap because I was thinking of maybe selling it in a closet sale. I was missing a medium black Chanel in my collection and something that I could take out for dinner as well. I bought this and I bought a 
Chanel medium double flap, just the classic. I was planning on keeping the black Chanel medium classic in my collection and then selling this one in a closet sale. If you don't know, I do do a closet sale once a week over on my Instagram. It started as just kind of a fun thing where I was selling things out of my closet every once in a while and has turned into this whole thing that we all do together. And it's so much fun as I'm hunting for things for the unboxings. Like again, if you don't follow me on Instagram, that's how this whole thing started for me. I started doing unboxings on my stories every single day of just things I was buying. And then as my Instagram grew and as I started making more and more content, I started buying more things to make more content with. And then it just turned into kind of a one in one out thing. And it blossomed into me doing a closet sale every week where I just hunt for really good deals for you guys as I'm buying for myself. And uh, it's a lot of fun. So like I said, I bought this for the closet sale thinking one of you guys would love it. And then I did buy the double flap for me. And I got this in and I decided to keep her and sell the double flap. I know that's insane, but I just love this bag. It is gorgeous half moon, meaning it has these turned edges on the bottom here. And the best thing about it is this lock turn lock is a mini size, meaning it's much smaller than the regular double flaps. When you open it up, you can see that there's one compartment and then uh, two compartments. I'm obsessed. I absolutely love how different she is and how unique. And I I know, you know, I can always buy a Chanel double flap, right, in medium. It's obviously going to be very expensive to buy in store if I ever wanted to. But I just thought this was so cool and so unique and a little bit more fancy of something that I could bring to dinner that was just a little bit different than the other double flaps that I have. So I did decide to keep her and I did sell the medium double flap in the closet sale. Um, and I got somebody got such a good deal on it. I was so glad to uh, offer it at such a good deal on the closet sale for her. She loves it. I'm so excited for her. So yeah, that is my newest Chanel bag purchase. Thank you so much for coming out to this podcast. If you are new around here, thank you, thank you, thank you for clicking on this video. Pretty please subscribe to this YouTube channel if you are not already or rate this podcast if you're listening somewhere podcasts are available. It really, really helps out a brand new podcast like mine. And I will see you guys in my next episode. Good, good, good. First of all, this needs to cease existing. All right, good, good. Yeah, there we go. Ready? Let's just do that before that bugs the hell out of me for the next six years.